I guess I've memorized this paragraph by now. Here we go. Welcome, everybody. Pursuant to Governor Baker's March 12, 2020 order, suspending certain provisions of the open meeting law, and the governor's March 15, 2020 order imposing strict limitation on the number of people that may gather in one place, this meeting of the Metroid Human Rights Commission will be conducted via remote participation to the greatest extent possible. Specific information and the general guidelines for remote participation by members of the public and or parties with a right and or requirement to attend this meeting can be found on the City of Medford website at medfordma.org. For this meeting, members of the public who wish to listen or watch the meeting may do so by herein. No in-person attendance of members of the public will be permitted, but every effort will be made to ensure that the public can adequately access the proceedings in real time via technological means. In the event that we are unable to do so, despite best efforts, we will post on the City of Medford or Media Community Media website an audio or video recording, transcript, or other comprehensive record <laughs> possible after the meeting. All right, welcome everybody. Uh, we can start our meeting by maybe just introducing uh, ourselves. Um, let me see, I'll just go in the order that I see my Zoom <laughs> uh, uh, pictures. Uh, Jack. Are you there? I'm always first. I don't know why we go this way. Good evening, everyone. Jack Buckley, Chief of Police. Hope everyone's doing well tonight. Thank you. Kelly, do you want to go next? Kelly Cunha. I think that's it. Kelly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hi, everybody. Kelly Keshavan, uh, obviously commissioner, also executive director of a nonprofit, uh, mother of two. Uh, Diane? Hello, everyone. Diane Yearwood, new member of the commission. Great. Uh, Natasha? Hi, everyone. I'm Natasha Lerner. I'm a Human Rights Commissioner. And Judy, are you with us? Can you hear us, Judy? Sorry, we, I know I see you somehow connected, but I don't know if you can hear me, but we can't hear you. Maybe you can try and chime in later. And Steve, go ahead, please. I'm Steve Schnapp, I'm not a commissioner, but a volunteer with the Human Rights Commission, and I'll be taking notes again tonight. Thank you, Steve, we appreciate your presence here. Uh, Neil? Uh, good evening, Neil Osborne, Director of Diversity and Human Resources, and I am without a middle name. My parents failed to give me one. Ah. <laughs> okay, and I'm Munir Germanus. Uh, I've been with the Human Rights Commission for, mm, I'm not sure, maybe five years now. But uh, and welcome everyone, and Judy, when and if you, I uh, see so you've unmuted yourself, maybe you can. Well, interrupt us whenever you want. Very good. Uh, glad to have everybody here. 
So let's proceed with our agenda. And let me go the first item on the agenda. Uh, well, uh, approving the past minutes. Has everybody had a chance to take a look at the minutes? And are there any comments, corrections, or whatnot? I could try and share my screen and share them if we want to be sophisticated. If not, I won't bother. Either way is fine. Uh, uh, let me see. Uh, how about, uh, okay, if you've uh, read the minutes, please just raise your hand. Okay, wonderful. And uh, so if somebody will uh, make a motion to approve those minutes, that would be great if there are no corrections. Motion to approve the minutes. Seconded. Second. Great. All those in favor, just raise your hand again. Thank you. Minutes approved. Now we can proceed to the next item on the agenda. And let me see, go back to the My Agenda. Recap of the April 7th conversation outline. Uh, let's start right there. All right. Uh, Neil, would you like to... There was some old business on the agenda. Oh, oh I'm sorry. You're right. I missed that. Uh, there's the old business. Yes, needs assessment status. Um, uh, let's see, Shelly, do you want to, is there any update on that? Um, so Natasha and I texted about this a little bit and actually I am wondering if some of the feedback in the debrief from the April 7th event might be part of the discussion that moves into the needs assessment. Um, I, when I first thought about the needs assessment, when I joined, I was sort of resident focused and I wonder if there's space to also consider the sort of systems of the organizations in Medford. Um, I was part of a Medford Health Matters debrief conversation last Friday um, and there was discussion of what it would look like to gather leadership from the organizations in Medford to connect around protocol, around how we're designing work to move forward together, but also who owns what projects and what does the hierarchy look like? Um, and, you know, for example, to avoid something that around what happened with MLK to say like West Medford really owns this, but like HRC took it because we weren't sure who could, who could take it, you know, that kind of a moment. Um, and so maybe it would be a good idea to think a little bit, a little bit in a more broad sense, um, when revisiting thoughts around questioning. And I know that Natasha had um, some amazing feedback around the existing questions. So I think just a revisit in general is a good place to start. And I'm sorry that I keep constantly saying that we need to start the needs assessment. Um, no problem. So, so are you saying you're going to use some of the input from the response of the big table meetings uh, that happened uh, 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 earlier in the month, I think? I think so. I think personally, I've learned a good deal this year about some of the in, inner workings of of leadership in Medford, and that wasn't on my radar at all when I suggested the needs assessment. And so, I I think it would be prudent to include thoughts on that those systems. Okay. Uh, so does anybody want to add anything to that? 
So what what should we say is our next step then, uh, Chelly? As far as the actual, you know, uh, are you going to kind of redo a questionnaire or, or what? Yeah, I think so. Um, maybe with the absence of sort of pop-up events, I'll have my extra sort of HRC energy can be donated to the needs assessment at this time. Okay, that sounds great. All right. Uh, so if there's nothing else, then we can move to the next item, which is the recap of the April 7th conversation. Um, uh, and Neil, do you want to uh, sort of start us off on that? Sure. So um, the challenge when we put on those events is getting ready for how many people show up. Um, we had guesstimated maybe we might get 200. Uh, we ended up with 150. Um, I'm not disappointed in that at all. Um, it still shows that folks in our community um, want to continue this discussion. Um, while we know there's activities that are happening across this country, um, it wasn't a hot and burning issue as it was last summer. So I kind of expected some drop off because people get busy, but there are still folks that know this conversation has to continue uh, if Medford is going to be that place that is more inclusive and more equitable and uh, rooting out racism from uh, anywhere uh, in our society. O overall, I think an important part of it was bringing on many city leaders who wouldn't normally be a part of that discussion. Um, so I greatly appreciated that their input, that residents could see that they were volunteering to be a part of that process. Um, I thank Chief Buckley. He brought some of his leadership team. I think that's another critical step that we can keep um, other uh, police uh, leadership within this discussion. I think they have an important piece to share, and they also have an important place to hear what's coming from residents. Again, timing, we're off with timing. Our, our wonderful chief of police took a large chunk, but he had a lot to say. Um, but I think we're on the right track. We still need to do the outreach. We still need to um, do what I describe as our branding, letting uh, the community know that the Human Rights Commission exists and the things that we're doing. And that's just a platform for us to say here, come these issues are ongoing and we can be a place where those discussions can have and have some real outcomes just the, just not the talking so pleased about it um I, I i appreciate all the efforts from all of you and there were a whole bunch of other people um outside of city hall and inside of city hall that makes those things run smoothly so uh, I appreciate everyone's efforts on making that happen. And now we have to start thinking about the next conversation, right? Uh, Kelly, you want to go ahead? Unmute uh, yourself. We can't hear you somehow. Sorry, can you hear me now? Yeah. Um, I just wanted to share some feedback. I wanted to say two specific things. One was I really appreciated Steve in the meeting itself acknowledging. Um, I thought that was really um 
vital that someone did that, that we came here to listen, yet we were listening for 90 minutes. So I wanted to give Steve a nod of appreciation for that. And the other piece was, um, I just wanted to give some feedback on um, some of the presentations and I'm open to discussing this further in different format if need be, but it felt a little um, tone deaf to me to have um, certain people like uh, talking about racism. So for example, having a white woman you know, to an audience that was supposed to be here to like talk about their lived experiences, kind of almost like teaching about um, racism. Um, and this is nothing against them at all uh, whatsoever. I just, I was curious about the, you know, the structure given to the speakers and, you know, that just didn't feel appropriate to me. It would almost be like if we were here and Munir started talking about sexism, it just doesn't, didn't sit right with me. Um, it just felt a little, um, I guess tone deaf, I guess that's the only word I can come up with. So that's, that was just some of the feedback. It felt uncomfortable to me to be kind of like learning about that way. We have a, you know, we had a um, diverse group of listeners um, kind of felt like, I don't know. So, but Shelly, I know you had um, your hand up also, so go for it. Um, so similar, a uh, couple of things. I have already been part of conversations that are moving towards debriefing this event. Um, I also had thoughts about the public health presentation and I found myself sitting and, and centering the title of the event, Racism is the Pandemic. I felt like there was too much conversation around COVID statistics. Um, I really, I, it made me reflect on what do, where are our leaders in their own sort of and I guess this is exactly why we're doing it in their own sort of understanding and journey, because it made me reflect on what they know, because in my head, if I'm talking about um, racism being the pandemic, then I'm automatically thinking about toxic cortisol levels and living in a flight or fight response um, space. And that kind of indicating that the body is at war constantly and what that means for how that person can interact with sort of traditional means, traditional definitions of success, whether it be at school or work or in their personal relationships. Um, and so I wanted to see that. I also felt, I didn't feel great when um, there was mentioned the sort of like, just tr trust the vax. Um, I think if we're trying to place ourselves in a lens of equity, then we're understanding that like, the black body has been used for experimentation for centuries. And so to say something like just trust, um, I don't think resonated for folks. Um, uh, yeah, I, I just thought there would be a different level of sensitivity. Um, smaller things, like I noticed the mayor was sitting next to the flag and the flag means so many things for different people, but like for black and brown people, it has never meant anything for us like, apart from like rape and pillaging uh, and war, like war, like 54th Regiment war. Um, uh, there was like, uh, I had notes and now I can't find them. I have chicken scratch everywhere and I'm a millennial so I can't write anymore. Um, what else came up? Just sensitivity, I guess. It showed me how where we how much work there is to do. I guess if I I guess think I guess thoughts will probably come back to me. So apologize if I interrupted. Okay, I'm going to chime in if if uh, nobody else uh, wants to add something. Or I can I, go after you. Uh, no, go ahead, Natasha, please. 
I think this and the one we did last summer is a really great public forum for people to come and say their initial ideas. But I say initial because people are not given a lot of time or space to really have dialogue and reflect. And I'm wondering if coming out of these two events, there's certainly an important purpose for events like this. But if perhaps with the people who have shown up and have engaged, if we could think about maybe setting a series of events where people are actually given questions beforehand and they know who they'll be talking to from City Hall and they can have a more in-depth, engaged experience. I recognize that that level of planning beforehand may mean fewer people come, but it would be a richer experience for those who do and for the people in City Hall who are listening to them. And so that's why I don't want to say we shouldn't have events like we did, but I think there is a next step to deeper events that we should be thinking about hosting and facilitating with those who are showing up because clearly they are not being given substantial enough time, not just to voice their ideas, but to then have dialogue with each other, to come up with proposals, to maybe form committees, to create ideas. I mean, the group I was in with Kelly, there was a great idea in it. And I don't know what happened with that idea. I, I, maybe we'll talk about it today. Maybe someone at City Hall listened to it and thought it was also great. But there were people in that group who maybe wanted to mobilize around that idea. And so just thinking about what, even in the time of Zoom, actually, it's maybe easier because you don't need to find meeting spaces for, you know, 10 different groups to think about how we can engage those people more thoughtfully and more in depth. All right, thank you, Natasha. So I'm going to um, say a few words from my perspective. Um, this event was uh, initially discussed uh, in, in our committee in December. And we, at that time, uh, said that we would connect with the superintendent uh, and invite her to participate. Uh, and indeed we did. Uh, Neil and I, uh, we, I initially sent her a letter on in January 13th. And uh, subsequently Neil and I had a Zoom meeting with the superintendent where she uh, described to us in detail the challenges that she was facing, uh, you know, in running the school system uh, with, you know, under these conditions. And that she did mention that there was a lot of sensitivity training for the teachers because we had raised the issue of, uh, uh, you know, the, the way that people of color felt they were being treated in the schools. And then we also raised the question of uh, more representation and more diverse representation in the school, whether it's for staff or, uh, or, or administration. Um, the next, you know, uh, the next, of course, uh, step that I uh, participated in was when Neil suggested that we join effort with the, uh, with the Medford Health Matter groups in their preparation for the big table meetings. And I know Chelly was uh, very heavily involved in those discussions. And uh, I think everybody appreciated her presence there. Um, beyond that, uh, to my mind, the Human Rights Commission had very little else 
uh, involved in planning this meeting or or the way it was uh, you know uh, scheduled. So uh, it was kind of made uh, clear that even though uh, in my mind I was thinking that this meeting was going to be a follow up uh, on uh, the last meeting that we had last year in June and with all the various issues that were raised because somehow the, the format for that first meeting uh, gave uh, the participants, I mean, people from Medford who joined the Zoom meeting, gave them the chance to voice their concerns. Uh, and I had tried to kind of just highlight what I thought were the most critical concerns uh, as my contribution to uh, to the April 7th meeting. Uh, however, uh, this the format this time around did not really, uh, and I guess it was not designed uh, to, uh, to hold anybody accountable or to raise questions about what was being done, if anything, to address the various concerns that were raised in last year's meeting. Um, now, we had, uh, now I know that the plan was to have uh, the various leaders, including the mayor, uh, the chief of police, the superintendent, uh, the head of the um, public health, uh, to give them, uh, make presentations that were supposed to be, I think, like approximately 10 minutes, 5 to 10 minutes. But as anybody, as you all know, who participated in this, they went significantly over time and that left very little room for the discussion in the various uh, Zoom rooms that happened. And uh, certainly in the room that I was in, I heard a lot of displeasure with this approach. Uh, basically, uh, and, and then subsequently in meetings with, with other groups uh, in Medford, I heard a similar message where they said, basically, it sounded like uh, the people were just being talked to uh, by the various leaders uh, with, with very little chance to, uh, to, to really uh, give their input and participate and obviously very little time. Um, and I know I, I, I got a communication from one, one person and Neil got a copy of it with a suggestion for any future meetings, how, uh, you know, how they should be breaking out. Uh, so that's one thing that we might want to keep in mind. I can, I'm not gonna go through the details of those suggestions if somebody's interested, I can do that. Otherwise, I can also just uh, send that in an email, uh, you know, uh, to all the participants. So this is my perspective on this. Uh, since we are lucky enough to have Jack as uh, a member of our commission, uh, to uh, I would like to hear from Jack what, uh, I mean, I know you had a, a very informative presentation 
with a lot of details, uh, you know, about what's happening with the police department. Uh, so what, what's, what's your take on how, how, how the meeting went, Jack? Well, it was clear that uh, by the end of it, that, that we didn't hit the um, and, and city leaders the right notice to, or, or for expectations. Um, that being said, going into it, uh, what I believed was asked of me was, was to answer a question. How is the Medford Police Department moving forward in addressing racism, equity, and belonging in the city? Um, and I don't know that that's, and, and I didn't get a 10 minute like time frame. Wasn't like, hey, you got to do this in five, ten minutes. But we're doing a lot, and it's sort of a became difficult for me to say how do how do I address this in ten minutes and not give out to everyone what we're doing in this police department and, and an understanding of, of all that is going into and being required of us in the police department, uh, given the public forum. It was a lot, um, you know. I, I don't normally read speeches, but there was so much in there, I had to sort of keep it and read it and, and put it out there. Um, but I felt it was asked of me to do that. And, and so going forward, um, I guess, I, as one speaker, I'd say that, that maybe if that wasn't expected, it was what my expectations were, uh, or I was led to believe my expectations were, was to address all of those issues. With the full understanding, after saying this, I wanted to listen to the community and just in, in response to what we were doing to change. But we're doing a lot. And, you know, to try to explain all of the requirements of police reform and what we need to do and what we're doing internally in just a sentence or two, I don't know if it can be done, but, you know, I guess there are other forums, you know. Um, I already had one suggestion, and, and I sort of liked it, is to keep putting the updates up regularly on our website here and there. But, I mean, we hadn't done that. And, and as I said, it, um, I, was, I, I was asked to, you know, respond in a large way, what is the police department doing? And to mention just a few things and not everything in its complete context, I thought would be faulty, but it did take up a lot of time. Recognized. I mean, one, one suggestion to, uh, sorry, go ahead, Shelly. No, no, I think Natasha was talking first. I, was just, I found your presentation very interesting to hear about all the different policies at the state and local level and what was going on. And I think that is a really important update for people to hear. I think the office that organized this, which was not us, I'm not exactly sure who, maybe should have done like theme nights. Like there should have been one night for police, one night for the health department. Like I thought what you gave was really important to understand and I'm not sure that condensing it into five minutes would have been helpful if the, the mission was to give people an update. Um, but obviously it was putting it all together plus listening sessions was too much. And so like timing wise, we needed to think about a different structure or breaking it all up or something like that. Um, if, I, if I may sort of, there's a challenge when we put on those types of events, when we, bring in the city's communication director when we add um, a layer of preparation with Medford Health Matters, we can increase our audience, but the go ahead and in increase the complexity. Certainly you as a commission can push out that we're going to have one specific topic at, at your meetings. That's your power. 
that then we have to do the legwork to make sure there's enough interest so that enough people show up to make it engaging. So it's a bit of a balance when we can get other folks to help promote the event to have more people, um, we lose some control. Um, I was, this is Judy, I'm finally on audio, thank oh, good. God. Judy. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, so I have always felt that 10 minutes is too long um, when you're gonna have multiple speakers. Now, Chief Buckley wasn't, Jack, sorry, wasn't given a time expectation. Is that, is that what you said? Uh, yeah. Yes, I wasn't given a, a time. I wasn't given a 10-minute time. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be honest. Nobody told me to go as long as I did either, right? But I, I had to get the information out. Let's be clear. I don't think anyone expect, expected me to go as long as I did, uh, including myself. But once you put that all on paper, then you start to just comes out, right? And you start putting it in there. So uh, I don't want to make it sound like they told me I had the whole night to, you know, to ramble on. Um, and if you get to no, know, but the point is, the point is, you didn't ramble on. You you gave us useful information, but we might not necessarily be able to say that about each of the speakers. But if I, when I coordinate a program, I tell people I I want to see your written remarks in advance i mean you know i'm really like i can be very controlling but it means things go according to the time expectation i somebody taught me once to put up this is when you do it in person put up a little sign that says one minute left you know and then cut the people up so because that wasn't the design or the intention, you know, to be quick, quick, quick. And um, I think some of those presentations would be more, would have been more interesting if they had been shorter. Um, so, so we understand the problem. Neil just explained the problem. I, I think we, we're going to have to think about, you know, when, we we can't just keep doing these forums in in Medford and having the same people come all the time. So outreach is because I mean I'm getting bored. I don't know if anybody else is getting bored, but I'm getting bored. I you know wasn't bored by Jack's presentation. Um, <clears throat> I had seen every just about every element of the Board of Health presentation. I mean, she was drawing it from other sources. Um, the Medford-specific information was interesting. But, you know, we could have had um, Kamara Jones, you know, a, a YouTube of Kamara Jones and, and picked the length of time that we wanted it to go and gotten most of the same information. So, anyway, that's all I want to say. I, I think, you know, if we're not running it, and we have no control over it, then all we can do is give feedback. But I also want to say that we better start looking at different formats for the future because this is just getting tedious. And as someone alluded to or mentioned, there's, there isn't any always, there isn't always very clear um, follow-up. 
follow-up. Even if we had had time to come to some new conclusions in, in our small groups, which, by the way, I never got into a small group because I was in one and I had the audio of another one. And, and nobody seemed to be able to fix it. So that, then I got brought back into the main room and I still had the audio of the other group that I didn't want to be in. So, I, you know, I know it's partially me because I do it on the phone, but I don't know if anybody else had any similar difficulties. Uh, but anyway. Structural. Sorry, Judy. Okay, thanks, Judy. Shelly, you go ahead. Yeah, um, so I'm all about the idea of sort of leadership listening, like that's almost all of who I am, but in practice, and maybe Zoom contributed to this, um, the experience of speaking to folks, and then because of time, but also because of the listening piece, they were not in really a space to respond. And I think that didn't make leadership feel good. And then it didn't really make me feel great anyways, because I think part of like feeling validated is having someone answer you. And so I wondered about moving forward if we call this something more of like a day of dialogue so that we're communicating that we're expecting an exchange. Um, so just like that, I don't know. If, I don't know how other folks felt if they were speaking in breakout rooms, but that was my thought. Um, and then I wondered about having presentations available in PDF form for attendees so that we can respect the work that leadership put into like preparing a piece for the day, but also be better about keeping something to a five to seven minute or whatever. And then folks who maybe, you know, can't get through a thicker material on Zoom have access if they want to revisit on their own. Just two. Okay, thanks. Steve, please go ahead. Sorry, I missed I missed that yellow pop. <laughs> no worries. Um, uh, I, I think there were several flaws in the planning. Um, and as a member of the planning committee, right, I attended just about all the planning meetings. Um, I think I, I uh, bear some responsibility. Um, it was not clear to me um, uh, whether there was, let me rephrase that. It turned out clear to me that there were uh, different agendas uh, in the planning. Uh, one agenda was the Human Rights Committee agenda, which I think uh, was looking at uh, a follow-up to the previous community forum and uh, trying to achieve some level of accountability uh, uh, from the city. I think the other agenda was from Medford Health Matters that was looking to uh, do what folks called a listening session. And I don't think um, those two agendas uh, were really clear, uh, clearly articulated enough to, to establish a format and a structure that would advance both uh, goals. So I, I am speaking very personally that, that I, I didn't recognize this or uh, pay enough attention to it, even though there were some flags thrown up by Munir and other people, hey, pay attention to this. Uh, I, I didn't pay enough attention. I, I think several other folks didn't as well. 
the, the, I think I heard uh, earlier in, uh, someone say that some of the feedback they heard was to have a much more focused format, submitting questions in advance, uh, maybe one question per city leader. And I thought that was something I also heard from uh, several participants who were, uh, I would say, angry and disappointed that there wasn't uh, uh, as much listening and opportunity for the folks who were in the breakout rooms, the city officials who were in the breakout rooms to really hear what people are thinking and experiencing. I think um, if I had it to do all over again, we would have asked uh, Chief Buckley, we would have asked uh, the mayor, we would have asked uh, each of those uh, primary speakers to address one question that the HRC uh, was concerned with based on the previous forum, because those issues are still quite on the table. And I think um, having a uh, strong hand in the facilitation in the outset will be necessary. I know from experience that when you when you get leadership uh, with a forum of 150 people or sometimes less, sometimes a lot more, people are gonna, are gonna want to, uh, and, and this is quite understandable, wanna say, here's what we've been doing, here's what has worked, you know, th this is where we're going. That's quite understandable, but, but that's not what we were after in this particular, at least from my perspective, in this particular event. We need, so the future, uh, again, as a participant, needs to be more focused on, on specific issues. And other kinds of uh, fora can enable the mayor or the chief or whomever school superintendent to really say, here's what we've done and go through their whole list. It's a lot about expectations. When people's expectations are, I'm gonna hear from the chief what's been done to address the issues that were raised previously. That's what they wanna hear. And we don't have unlimited time. So I think the, the suggestion that I heard earlier about one question to really focus, I don't know, seven minutes. This is what we've done on body cams. This is what we've done on, on uh, school discipline issues. This is what we've done to outreach undocumented uh, residents with the vaccine, uh, this, and so on. So. For me, the problem lies not so much with the city officials, other problems lie with them, but with our planning process. So we really have to get that straight. Yeah, I agree with Steve. I think I, I too am culpable as I was at a lot of the planning meetings, maybe all of them. Um, and I think I have the sense that it means something when HRC is invited to participate in an event that is essentially owned by a different organization, um, as opposed to partnering with an organization to then design the event together. Um, I think there was a format that was kind of established and offered and we were like, 
Yeah, I mean, I know for myself, I was like, I didn't know how it would pan out. So, okay. But now I have some perspective on how at least this, this time went. Um, yeah, so moving forward, I think being intentional about how HRC is engaging with events that aren't ours. Um, uh, Jack, I mean, I have a question for you because I, I'm, again, as part of mm, discussions that I've had with, with other groups, I mean, is it, uh, is it possible and maybe useful to have your presentation given ahead of time, either whatever on the website or uh, in, in some kind of a PDF format, so you can people who are seriously interested in knowing can access that, read that, and then they'll have a chance so you don't have to spend whatever 15 minutes going through you know, talking to them. Then they can have input into, into, into your, you know, your presentation and, and what, what you've achieved. I know, you, I know you've listed quite a few things. I mean, you mentioned something about possibly putting this on the website or something like that. Yeah, and and so you know, when when I first became chief, we invested a lot of time and effort into having a a, a workable, usable website, and these are the things that we want to use it for. So very much, yes. I mean, I'm even in the process now with a lot of different things of putting. You know, you know, my presentation of what I did that back on the on onto our website, um, so that it's out there and people can kind of go back and refer to it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great suggestion that if I have more to say than say a seven minute time frame, that I can say ahead of time, hey, the chief has put a presentation together. It's on his website. He will be speaking that evening, but he encourages everyone to go to his website, look at his presentation, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, to to go forward. Um, so yeah, it's not a a it's not a bad suggestion at all. Um, okay, maybe we can, can communicate that also to the other uh, leaders who participated in this. Kelly, yeah. please. Uh, can I, just, I just want to just add two other quick points. And yeah. Make yeah. It back to me anyway. Um, I, I actually agree a lot with what, what Steve said as a presenter, right? Yeah. And you, one focus question is necessary because you think I only got one question. It was just a question that says, what have you done? And, that, and that's right. And, and, I didn't get a bunch of questions. I got one question. So we did ask one question. It's just, I think it should be like, I'm, I'm okay with it being more focused, but when you leave it to me, there's 150 people on there. They all may want to hear a different thing. One may want to hear about, you know, hiring and one may want to hear about body one cameras and one may want to hear about policies. So I don't get the luxury of like sort of focusing it myself when I have 150 people to speak to. So I, I just offer that as, as a comment from the, the speaker's part. And the other thing I, I think I just want to say to you as one of the leaders, one of the speakers, at least we had this conversation, right? I don't want to sell this community short. We had a conversation that other communities aren't necessarily doing it. So there is a, there is a lot of pluses there. We got to continue to work on it and, and, uh, and, and keep going forward. So sorry, Kelly, to, to interrupt, but I just want to add. That's okay. Kelly, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I, I guess one other thing I thought that would be important to bring up too is, um, and it's been brought up about how like, what is our role? I think one of the things too is like, we have a lot of expertise right here. Um, and I know that there's a lot of um, problems because of like open meeting laws where like, if you know, if we want to just do a planning meeting, there's like rules and regulations around that. So I understand that there's some limitations based on that. But I think that we have um, different areas of expertise. And we're on this commission for a reason. So having um, 
in not just in the Human Rights Commission, in Medford in general, like we are a wealth of like unbelievable activists, educators. We just have so much um, amazing uh, resources in the city and it, we got to reach out to them, whether it's us reaching out, us as some, you know, some of us are experts in our, you know, respective fields. Um, you know, Judy has all this expertise with planning events and with, you know, um, you know, checking things out grammatically. It's stuff, something that I'm really bad at. And Shelly has a, a wealth of experience, you know, in her, you know. So I just think it's something that we should also look at because many hands make light work. So well, next time we plan, let's really look and say, like, who's a good at this and what's a small thing they can do? Because there's so many people that I think that's part of it, too, is a lot of people try to take on so much. And it's overwhelming. It's hard. And if we just kind of realize, wow, look at what we got and, and go beyond um, just the city leaders, just city leadership, just city hall. City hall has a, a lot of expertise, too, but let's spread it around. I think that we could really um, capitalize on what we have in Medford. All right. Uh, thank you, Kelly. Um, um, can I follow up on that? Yeah, Judy, go ahead, please. Um, it's not the same point, but it's, I think that we really have to start looking hard at, at outreach for these kind of events. I mean, you know, large numbers of people came to the original Bedford Conversation events. I don't know what the numbers were. Well, about 200. But 200 250. 200? 250 250 last time, right. The, the way back, the ones in person. Oh, the Bedford so, Conversation the first time. That's yeah, yeah. Years ago. I mean, large numbers of people came... But it still looked like, I mean, you could look around the room and kind of recognize most of the people. And if you've lived here long enough, um, we, we really, really have to give serious attention to um, getting the wider community to these events. Of course, the downside of getting the wider community to these events is that you get the um, vocal opposition but that they're part of the community, you know, and maybe a dialogue would not be harmful, you know, might be helpful. But so I can't remember, but this didn't go out as on the robocall. Right. I mean, so uh, the city's communication director has um, made some choices about what's going to be robocalled and what isn't. Um, people are, giving the city feedback that um, it's overwhelming. So not every city activity is gonna get a robocall. Okay. All right. Uh, I think, okay, I think, I think, I think we've, uh, we've discussed this reasonably well. Um, I have a uh, just sort of an unrelated question to Jack. I was uh, impressed to hear all the steps that you have taken, and one of which was your plans to hire uh, uh, people who are uh, speakers of Haitian Creole, and uh, I think you said uh, Spanish and Brazilian, and you mentioned if I remember correctly, maybe not, that you're going to, maybe you're targeting three, uh, three uh, officers for each role. 
How is that within your budget or how do you anticipate that to be a reality? Just checking for a oh, So the hiring of offices is within, is within my budget now. So we can do that. We're okay. down offices. We have expectations that offices are going to be retiring. And so we're looking to fill the ranks um, you know, anyway, and so we were create. I work closely, Neil and I work very closely with this, and we've put together requests, and they're individual requests for each language speaker. It, you're correct, it's Portuguese speaking, Spanish speaking, and uh, Haitian Creole. Uh, and we've put the initial request before civil service already. They've had it for, they had it for several weeks. They responded back to us. They're requiring more information. Frustrating. Right? It's not as easy as one might think dealing with the Civil Service Commission. Um, I imagined at one point that that should have been like, absolutely, Chief of Police in the city of Medford says he needs, you know, Haitian Creole speaking officers. Here you go, check the box. So we're being required to supply more information on that, and we're currently working on it, and we'll do that. We, we, it's not a simple process of just requesting it. It's about proving your need for it and then getting approval for it. So it is a, a – it's – it's a great um, opportunity for us. We're uh, we're going at it, uh, you know, with the civil service and the attempt and the hope to get them hired within the next month or two, right? You know, to, uh, to start the process with backgrounds and, and academy. So fingers crossed. But that is uh, we need to we uh, we need life experiences, right? I mean, I when I came to the job, I was answering calls to, to at, at houses and residents and people called the police, and I didn't speak their language. They didn't speak my language, and we had to figure it out. And people should be able to answer their door and see someone who speaks their own language and talks with them in that language. So we're, we're trying to make those changes and adjustments, but it is, it's not a guarantee yet. So I, I say sadly. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, this, the, yeah, I, I, can, I can sort of vaguely uh, hear you as far as your rest the restrictions that you're under. I, heard, I had a presentation uh, a couple of months ago by that included the chief of police, for instance, in Belmont, where he said he was, you know, he wanted to hire more a more diverse uh, group of officers, but uh, the requirements was that they be a resident of Belmont. Now, yeah. as you know, Belmont is a very expensive place to buy a home or be, be there. So he said his hands were tied and he could not do that. So there are a lot of bureaucratic challenges that somehow I guess we need to work at uh, addressing them. Yeah. And I know Neil is going to jump in on this one. Yeah. yeah. So to sort of uh, uh, follow up on uh, Jack's uh, concern is we are constrained by civil service. So we are required to follow their rules. And one of the rules that that established when you ask for these uh, language lists is to really draw out the data to say there is evidence to say that these languages are needed because they are actually protecting themselves and the municipality from a future suit to say someone was treated differently because of who they are. So they make cities and municipalities really jump through hoops to to get the data to them before they approve those types of lists. Because they also understand if Medford does it, Marlin's gonna need to do it, Everett's gonna need to do it, and every other city in town is gonna do the same thing and it becomes the major workaround. 
the major workaround is going to be needed to change the civil service law to make sure that it's not a barrier to people of color and diverse populations becoming police officers. Yep. And, I'll, and I'm going to, by way of example, I'm, I'm going to offer an example of some of the uh, problems that we have and then I've thrown it out there for any assistance. If somebody here thinks of something, then be able to help us. You look at the, uh, say, Portuguese-speaking population, right? So we have to look at uh, our need to hire a Portuguese-speaking officer is somewhat based on our Portuguese-speaking population. Where is that recorded? So the U.S. Census data doesn't, and and I'm glad Shelly raised her hand because if we can find this stuff, this is huge. But like you, like the data, the census data that we get, it will record English speaking, non-English speaking, right? Spanish speaking, and, and then there's a you know category of, uh, you know, you speak English, uh, you know, not, you know, not as well as your, your primary language. So there's some levels there, but you you can't break Portuguese down even you know, like it can't be broken down by race. I can't sit there and say, oh, listen, we have X amount of because if you speak Portuguese, you could identify as um, black, white, um, you know, Latino. So in the census data, asks really restrictive data that doesn't identify populations for us. And it's difficult to get all of this information. But as chief of police, I know we have it because we deal with it every single day. And so I, I offer, I, I give that as an example to say that how difficult the process is for us. And so since, I mean, I've got a pretty active group here. If anyone has suggestions where we can find, you know, uh, data for this and, and something, you know, maybe even some unique idea that we're not thinking of, it would be greatly appreciated uh, to offer. Now, Shelly, did you raise your hand because- well, you Jeopardy to- style. Yeah, my first, my head goes to the Massachusetts Alliance for Portuguese Speakers, MAPS. Um, they have a couple- brick and mortar spaces. I know it's Union, Steve would probably know, Union Square. Uh, And then one more, maybe that's more downtown, Um, but they've been around for a long time and they do um, a whole host of community outreach activities. So they might be, and if they don't know, they might know, who knows? Who knows? Excellent. Steve, do you have your hand up? Sorry, uh, can you unmute yourself? Sorry, uh, I forgot to, Oh, no <laughs> I lowered his hand. <laughs> okay, uh, so uh, let me, uh, all right, great. Uh, so hopefully then we'll take, uh, I, 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 I will give one point feedback from someone that we heard of uh, who basically said that uh, they've got no problem attaching their name to the feedback. There was this feedback form but in general, they said, if you wanted an honest feedback, you need to be very clear that the person filling out the form can choose to be anonymous. So this is a comment that we might want to uh, keep in mind uh, when we have uh, you know, uh, those uh, feedback forms uh, at the end of the meeting. Okay, Uh, let me uh, go next to the point that uh, in our agenda that was kind of put in the same sentence uh, and uh, outline next public discussion, proposal, commission, host, panel discussion, COVID trust. 
Uh, Neil, you put that in. Do you want to uh, talk a little bit about that? Well, well I put it in because uh, uh, Shelly asked me to put it in, so I'll, I'll, it is to her to uh, well, outline okay. her proposal. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I feel like I'm talking a lot tonight. Um, after the event that happened on the 10th and the 13th, during one of those days, um, John Falco was in my breakout room and somehow the conversation veered towards the city's concern around outreach and vaccine rates um, and just getting the city covered vaccine wise. Um, and he asked, I appreciated his sort of forwardness and honesty. And he said, like, I really don't know how to do this. And so on the call that day, I said, what would it look like to host a panel of um, possibly sort of black physicians, NPs, um, community uh, community activists, to, to so that the, the city can witness Medford saying we acknowledge um, medical racism, we acknowledge experimentation, um, we acknowledge that it feels like disease is important when it kills white people. Um, uh, what about AIDS? What about the crack academic? What about Tuskegee? Uh, what about the host of perinatal uh, atrocities? Um, and so I said, and he was like, well, can you help? And I was like, I guess. Um, and so now uh, he and I have met twice. I, I have been reaching out to people and in full disclosure, folks have been like, oh, for Medford? That feels like a lot of work for not not a lot of reason, um, but I'm working on it, and I'm at least happy to be having the conversation. Um, I did sit on a panel for Cambridge around this this topic, and I've said at the very very least we can be. There's no reason um, why folks in Medford can't be paying attention to events that are happening in other cities, and I think it would be good to be like networking in that way. Um, where am I going with this? So yeah, so there was conversation of what it will mean to engage the Black community in Medford to publicly own, acknowledge, discuss understandable mistrust. Um, there is conversation of um, a mobile vaccine option so that we're, we're taking care to folks, maybe the elderly, maybe moms who are alone with little ones, um, maybe folks who have disability stuff, um, but to just be to be more creative with our own flexibility um, and understanding meaning folks where they're at. And so that's where that bullet point came from. I, we're not really making progress on uh, particulars at this time, but the conversation is happening. Okay, great. So, so, so then I guess uh, you will be making some kind of a proposal that we might want to discuss and consider here and for the HRC in the future? Yeah, so thoughts range from uh, my first thought was a full panel and getting that many voices at once is feeling hard. Another thought was to have individual speakers. Another thought was to run modules that get posted on the HRC media. Um, another thought was to have possibly folks of color in Medford be like, like, here are my feelings, here are how they've changed, here are how they haven't changed. Um, also, you know, discussion of um, propagating a health issue. So if there are comorbidities, if my health is in a certain place, if I don't get vaccinated, what does that potentially mean for my health moving forward for those around me? Um, and I, I think it would be good to connect with Sandy Osil about this. Um, I, I think it's something that, that West Medford should comment on. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, for, I'm sure a lot of you are aware that there are a lot, a lot. This discussion is ongoing, certainly in in the in the main news media and by the medical community as well, definitely. And uh, but yeah, that would be an interesting uh, uh, topic to to pursue. Yeah, because um, the Center for Health Equity at BMC, there's Vital Village. Um, there, I, I know folks at both those places. Uh, and then there's a physician, possibly at BMC, who really just speaks to toxic cortisol levels. So yeah, and I'm sure that Natasha knows, has similar contacts to me or better contacts than I do. But uh, yeah, yeah, if you want to talk, yes, this is definitely something that there are a lot of presentations uh, on right Natasha, now. Can I uh, ask Steve, he was raising his hand first. Uh, I, I'll defer to Kelly. Okay. I mean, Natasha, I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, Natasha. I was just saying, yes, I am invited to talk on this virtually every day. And you're right, BMC is doing a lot, but also there's a lot of other organizations in Boston and the Boston area. So maybe we can talk about who would be willing to come talk in Medford, because I do think there are people. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Sorry, Steve. No, no worries. Um, you know, this is a profound problem that's gone on for many generations. We're not going to solve it here in the Human Rights Commission. Uh, but I think it's worthwhile that the Human Rights Commission takes it on. Um, I think uh, uh, collaborating with uh, folks on the ground who are working with these populations uh, would be really helpful. So whether it's... Um, I don't know, the West Medford Community Center or churches that have largely uh, Portuguese speaking constituents, uh, the Welcome Project, other organizations that are, that are trusted by the folks who do not trust the medical establishment would be really important. So in addition to the folks that you've mentioned who can speak about this, including yourself, Natasha, um, I, I think, uh, <clears throat> reaching out to these uh, these organizations are important. It also connects to the problem that Judy mentioned earlier and that we face every time about getting folks in the room who do not normally uh, you know, participate, whether they're people of a more conservative perspective politically, whether they're low-income folks who just don't trust, uh, you know, educated people or you know, uh, the elite, because they're disconnected to their lives, etc. cetera. Um, this is a, a very difficult problem. And, um, you know, I, I applaud uh, uh, every effort to try and confront it, but we shouldn't beat ourselves up when we're not as successful as we want. We just have to keep at it. We have to keep at it. And I think relationship building is the best way to keep at it. And um, it's, not, it's not easy, uh, you know, to go into neighborhoods. You know, that issue of mistrust. Uh, I've, been, I've participated as a volunteer in the Are You OK? program by the Medford Public Health Department many months ago. And just this week, we were supposed to um, do a program where we went to homebound folks, particularly in housing projects, 
and to try and, and get them vaccinated. That was supposed to happen all this week. And it was the Johnson & Johnson vaccine that folks were offering. And now this, we were, we were told, uh, not, we can't do it because of the questions about this vaccine. This is what people hear. It's no surprise that folks don't trust this. Not only the, the horror stories that we've heard about experimentation on people of color, women, etc., but here's this, uh, you know, very common uh, vaccine that now is called into question. Personally, reading the, the stuff about it, I, I think it's a very minor issue. But what people hear and experience is that, once again, the medical establishment is trying to get us to take something that might hurt us. This is really difficult to overcome. So whatever the Human Rights Commission can do will be a plus. I mean, yeah, as you say, this is a big problem, but I think equally important is the accessibility of the vaccine to, uh, to poorer communities. I think, to me, to my mind, that is more critical uh, because uh, the issue of uh, distrust, uh, believe me, I've, uh, I've <laughs> I see online communications, not from people of color, but from people who are just simply opposed to vaccines and opposed to anything. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, right. But you got to do what you have to do, I guess. Yes. All right. Uh, yeah, go. Uh, can sorry. I say something? Yeah, please. Can I say something? Yeah. So I'm a little confused. I, I got my um, second vaccination uh, one Thursday morning, I got a call from the health department. And I think there's two different things, the Board of Health and the health department. I'm not sure. But from the health department, I'm um, saying, how would you like us to come out there and give you your second vaccination in the next half hour? Oh. Um, so, you know, I called the doctor's office where I was originally scheduled because it was two days early. They said, that's fine. They came out. We stayed on the porch. You know, they watched me for 15 minutes. We chatted. But, you know, I know I'm on a list because I have volunteers. I'm essentially homebound. So, I don't know it, you know, the constraints on doing that on a larger scale, I don't know. I asked them, how many people are you seeing today? And they said 10. Because I guess they had 10 doses, you know. But the constraints of doing that on a larger scale are the availability of the vaccines, which is now more limited than before, and the availability of personnel not just anybody can give a shot you know so to me it all boils down to money 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 you know this is this is a city issue like we i'd like to see the whole united states do this but i'd like to see medford you know have well here another thing I get calls like once a month 
was from the Are You Okay program just because of my age. And is it is it because of my age or is it because I've been sick? I don't know. Maybe it's a different program. But I get a person who calls me once a month and asks how I'm doing. So people have, I mean, the city government has some idea of who is over certain ages and now that vaccines have been extended, you know, we have a census. We have we know who's who and where they are. It's just it's not what we do in this society. You know, we should as as a city government or all the city agencies be calling people up and saying, Would you like your vaccination today? And then let's schedule your second one for four days. Anyway, I that's that's like fantasy, but I just wanted to share that. Judy, <laughs> um, I, I think you're right in that there obviously could be more outreach. I think it's a really hard thing to do. At the start of this, I was volunteering as a contact tracer in Fall River, and it, it's it's just hard to reach people who you know are not speaking English. They are housing insecure. They are sick, and. It, even if you want to call people, those programs, unfortunately, do not have the resources to really reach the right scale with the thoroughness. And I think what, you know, Steve was kind of alluding to, which is, I, I also have looked at the data, and I think that the headlines are slightly sensational, and the FDA did the right thing. But you know, rightly so in Massachusetts, we decided that Johnson and Johnson vaccines would be prioritized for hard to reach areas because it's one dose, its refrigeration requirements are not as intense. And so you can bring them to people's homes. We can put them in hard to reach communities. People only have to come in once if they have to take time off of work and they need income. And then this is the one that now has headlines about a very severe, very small chance of clot. And so that adds to that very long history of mistrust that Shelley was talking about across all different medical specialties very still active and alive in Boston and Massachusetts. And so, you know, the choice to direct Johnson and Johnson to these communities was a well thought through and equity driven choice, but it, it now looks like it's just another time point in a very long timeline of mistrust of the medical community. And then well, the other thing, go ahead, Charlie. No, I was just going to say, I think upstream, if folks are worried about papers, if there are like income, if there's income stuff or possibly bill stuff, like folks are not always inclined to pick up a phone number that they don't recognize. And like, that's the first time that we're missing connection with that person. And then it just snowballs. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's money. I mean, if the money were there, we could be, the, the city could be leafleting Walgreens in West Medford, by the, by the way, now apparently has the vaccine, a vaccine. I don't know which vaccine. But um, so, you know, that's, that's geographically close to um, some communities that may not, or a community that may not have had other access. Um, there was something else I was going to say, but. I don't remember. Well, if it, just if it makes you feel better, 
the last I heard was that 40% of French people in France do not want to take the vaccine. There you go. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an international issue. Uh, but on the other hand, I just read about some little country and I've forgotten what it was where 100% of adults were vaccinated. So, you know, it might be, uh, it might be highly regimented society or it just might be, you know, that they were a little smarter than the rest of the... Okay, very good. So I'm going to move on uh, for just for a couple of other things. Um, uh, I had, uh, you know, I'm sure many of you are aware uh, of the issue of uh, harassment of uh, uh, particularly Chinese Americans and in general Asian Americans. And uh, I, uh, because I participate in the, the, some of the meetings of the, uh, this coalition of Massachusetts Human Rights Commissioners, um, I decided to send a letter to the mayor uh, asking her to address this issue. Uh, and uh, I, I, I did email everybody a copy of that letter, but uh, what, what, what this brings up is another question that was raised, and that is um, the question of how does one stay on the right side of the open, open meeting law uh, and still be able to, uh, as a commission, in other words, if we wanted to issue some kind of a com uh, communication uh, rapidly, uh, we cannot do so without you know, calling out a special meeting. So uh, there is one, one city who apparently uh, they voted, they drafted and voted to approve a general statement of condemnation and then authorized one or two people uh, in the Human Rights Commission to tailor it to the situation. And that allowed them to uh, respond in a much faster manner than before. So I don't, uh, Neil, do you have any thoughts on this uh, possibility? It's a challenge. Um, if you are trying to speak as one voice, you sort of have to have that public forum where it's been debated and you've decided to say, this is our voice on this particular issue. Um, having that general one that gets used in between meetings, a little bit more complex, but again, you have the city solicitor who, who is technically the legal advisor to this commission. If you drafted something, um, send it to her and um, our city solicitor said, okay, then, all right, oh, then you're all right. If you said no, then you're back to the drawing board. So maybe, uh, uh, Kelly, you, you go ahead. Shelly, you can go first, go ahead. No, you were waiting. Well, I was just gonna say two things. One is, I think it's so important. I think this is one of those like low hanging fruit things that's really easy. It sends a message. It also, um, it also helps people know who we are and, and we're putting ourselves out there in a way. I think when this stuff happens, people are looking I mean, I know in my school district, I'm often the one sending my school staff emails with, to give the teachers resources about what to do, how to talk about it. 
Um, so I think a lot of us are probably doing this in our own work anyways. So that's one piece. And then the other piece is just, can we have a subcommittee? Because you don't need the open meeting laws where it's like the, you know, a specific subcommittee, we, something happens, we quickly come together, we send an email draft out. Oh, would that be a solution? Because I, I like the idea of having like a letter of, but each, you know, God only knows what's going to be coming up the pipeline and hopefully not anything else, but we all know that's not true. Um, and I think every single thing really deserves its own um, thoughtful response and in, in specific um, language. I don't, I don't love the idea of like a draft letter for tragedies. It just doesn't feel right to me. And uh, unfortunately, I don't think subcommittee work will work for you because a subcommittee's job is to report back to the a larger board to see if they will adopt the work that you've done. So how do other commissions deal with this? I understand that some may be, sorry, Munir. Go ahead, Natasha. I understand that obviously- Go ahead, Natasha. Oh, can everyone hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I understand that we, you know, these public meeting laws are created to ensure that the public is able to see the business of the commission. And I don't want to ever act as if that it should not remain our aim, but there are certainly things that are timely that also maybe don't require a whole meeting for if there could be a subcommittee that could draft something and send via email for approval a statement which is usually three to five sentences that does not seem like the the spirit of making sure that the public has an opportunity to hear about when we're reviewing police policies or we are creating needs assessments or we are doing these large projects and I just wonder if maybe there's some system another commission has created or something that the solicitor can advise on to allow for more rapid response because this may not require a whole meeting agenda item and certainly cannot always wait four weeks. You know, another thought, I mean, just uh, um, based on what Neil was saying about the subcommittee needing to report to the whole group and whatnot, I mean, maybe what we can do is we, we can maybe establish a quote-unquote rapid response uh, group or one or two people, or you know, maybe I, I'm not sure whether I'm putting it right, but I'm, what I'm thinking is the following. If somebody notices an issue that needs, uh, you know, urgent uh, to, to, to be uh, urgently addressed, what one possibility is that we can, they can generate a specific, whatever, short letter, uh, send it out by email to all members of the uh, committee, and then ask Neil to set up a meeting, on, you know, it delays it by two days, so ask Neil to set up a formal meeting in two days time or three days time so that we'll only discuss this letter if everybody's in agreement upon it. And then we can act on it. Then we can put it out as a statement in the name of the Human Rights Commission. I mean, that to my just uh, instantaneous thinking would be one, one possibility. I, I apologize, I didn't hear all the, the setup to that, but yes, as long as we give 48 hours 
uh, public notice of a deliberation of the commission were okay. And I'd also remind folks, you are individuals who have your own public voice. So uh, if you are speaking for yourself individually, you're speaking for yourself individually. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean I, that's why when I, when I, obviously when I wrote that letter, uh, I, I was sort of debating whether I should say I am <laughs> a human rights commissioner or chair of the human rights commission or not, but I did sign it as me, not as uh, human rights commission, not a, but, Anyway, okay. I, I just, I think there is value to the name Human Rights Commission. Obviously there is because the mayor wanted to host an event with us last week, right? If it, there wasn't value, she would have done it on her own. And so I'm wondering, this seems like perhaps another policy is needed at the city level around social media posts, which are not projects. They are not things for public comment per se. They're things for the whole commission to agree upon how our social media is run. And I wonder if maybe we can actually bring this before either the city's communications director or the solicitor for the city and actually talk about maybe there is not a policy that should be in place in the 21st century around social media posts for city entities. Natasha, you bring up a good point and we've just issued a complete thorough 11 page social media policy. You should be getting it shortly. Every commission and every board member will require to read it and acknowledge that there is a policy in place. So um, it's already out the barn, <laughs> it's, it's, it's coming. I mean, obviously, people can put put out statements. I mean, in this particular case, actually, I'll, I'll mention this as an example. For instance, the statement, uh, you know, uh, condemning the the horrific incidents in Atlanta. Uh, initially, uh, that statement, uh, well, the mayor put out the statement on her Facebook page, and then upon. The, urging of one specific group in Medford, she, it was then placed on the Medford website. So, uh, so you know, there are helpful steps that one can take, but I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure. I mean, I, I'll, I'll wait and see what the social media policy is. I bet it's going to be a little restrictive, but we'll wait and see. Um, Okay, uh, we're getting pretty close uh, to the end of the meeting. Shelly, did you have your No, I, I just, the, the Asian hate stuff brought up for me um, sort of a nuanced conversation of what it means for anti-Blackness. Um, I think like the day after the Atlanta event, like the Zach Bears posted something about what the city council had discussed and like my gut reaction and like, I don't know what the, you know, it says a lot about me, but I was like, okay, but Black Lives Matter stuff is still up in the air. We're still, there's still a response that says, okay, but all lives matter. And I don't know that I'm hearing that right now. Um, and I also, with my Indian person hat on, wanted to say like, um, Asian Americans also perpetuate systems if they're not attending to their, their space in society, like model minority is an issue. Um, how you're moving in spaces. I know Indians dominate a lot of high paying, highly respected spaces in higher ed and law and medicine. And that matters for how you're moving in a country that is fairly dichotomous, you know, irrespective of like the melting pot that we want to discuss. So I just, 
it brought up a conversation that is that nuanced for me. And I was like, where in Medford are we talking about? So um, Natasha's social media point is much more helpful in terms of progress moving forward, but those are thoughts that came up for me. I just wanted to share. Okay, well, maybe part of the reason that, uh, as I mentioned in my letter, part of the reason that I also felt the need to, to say something is because I know personally of uh, a Chinese American person who was attacked twice in Medford. So, uh, but in any case, and I had, I had, I had asked Jack about it uh, a couple of meetings ago, and uh, Jack su suggested reporting it to the police. The problem is that, of course, uh, if you're walking in the street and somebody's passing in a car and, uh, and abuses you, I'm not sure how you can uh, report that and uh, that they keep going. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge. It's a, Okay, uh, is there anything else that uh, we need to discuss that we haven't or somebody would like to bring up before we end the meeting? All right, well, uh, thank you all very much for a very thoughtful and uh, discussion and for participating in today's meeting. And uh, I will entertain a motion to adjourn. Steve? It's good. Uh, unmute yourself, please. I can't make a motion to adjourn, no. but I do want to uh, say that uh, Medford Health Matters has its uh, monthly board meeting tomorrow morning, and we'll be discussing and debriefing the, the event on April 7th, April 6th, I forget now, April 7th, right. and um, uh, you, you, you will hear, I, I know Shelly will be there, but you, you'll hear the results of that. Just wanted to let people know that. Now I'll be there. I didn't realize I was supposed to be there. So much appreciated, Steve. Oh, yeah. No, maybe you're not supposed to be there. I might be wrong. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just announcing. <laughs> I wish that they didn't have meetings during the work day because I would love to attend. It's, it's 9 a.m. Yeah. Where do I learn about this meeting? Um, I can send you a link. I can send you a link. Thank you, Neil. Thank you. Thanks, Can everybody. Nice seeing me, Neil. No problem. Yep. Motion to adjourn. Somebody? Seconded. <laughs> Motion to adjourn, I mean. Second. Second. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye. Yeah.